It's office hours! With me! I'm, it's office hours with Chris. Right now. Th this moment? And cheese! Hi! Hey, Chasey. You just, you just drug me in here. I was trying to, I was trying to clean out all the trash cans around the office, and you're like, hey, why don't you come here? Did you know, in Japanese culture, the youngest office employee comes in early to clean out the trash every day and clean up the office and make coffee? Did you know that's a real thing? And they don't really do janitorial service as much? I did not, but that makes sense. But it wouldn't, I, I, you're not our newest hire, though, so it wouldn't be you, would it? No, not technically. But Drew said yeah. he wouldn't do it, so <laughs> I'm just taking on the hey, duties, man. You know what I'm thinking? What's that? What are you thinking? I'm thinking next week I'm going to do the whole week from Eastern Washington, except for Tuesday. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, just try to like get a little bit of summer left. You know, here on the west coast of Washington, it is nothing but rain now. But I'm thinking if I cross the mountains, it's still above mid-70s over there. I could probably eke out like another week of summer. So where would you go then on that side of the state? Like what would be the uh, the destination? Oh, I got a place. I got a place. Yeah, I got a real good place. You know, I I found this spot not too long ago that is on the uh, Methow River. And it's got Full signal, which is hard to get in that area of eastern Washington. It's got full signal. It's about a two-hour and 45-minute drive from the studio. That sounds like a no-brainer then. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I hope it works out. We'll see. I'm going to come in a couple of times a week to do shows. And then like all of like the pre-show work and research and all of the office stuff I have to do, I'm going to do from my spot on the river. Well, see, that would be rad, dude. I know. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I just, I have to like, I have to do something because it's a six days a week kind of job, often seven days a week kind of job. So I never, I never, I never get to like take advantage of all of the vacation I bank. Now as an actual employee, I could be banking vacation. I never get it. I never get to take advantage of it. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll just work. I'll spend a work week minus a few days from the river. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a, a rational decision. You know, and I've always so. personally been one of those people that always struggle to take my vacation time off anyway, just getting out of the office and, you know, not being needed. And and I'm sure, obviously, you have you suffer from that same problem even more so than I do. But I know a lot of us here at the network, uh, it really is kind of a seven day a week type of job. I mean, totally. it's just um, we don't disconnect from Telegram or IRC or uh, Twitter or any of the other social avenues. We're always following the news. We're always checking the news multiple times a day. And that goes for like every single person that's here uh, working with us. And I, I think that shows uh, to some extent and allows us to do what we do. But uh, yeah, sometimes just flipping that switch and disconnecting it all can definitely be a thing. So this is the, this is the second office hours with Chris. Um, I just think, I thought maybe from time to time, I do this and answer some questions. So I'm doing this one live because why not? And we got the whole like IRC thing going. And Bitebitten has a question. He says, uh, what is an idea you really wanted to do but were not allowed to? Well, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So not allowed to is not really – I mean, I guess that depends on what you define as allowed. Uh, not allowed to right now is I'm not able, <laughs> there's not enough time in the day, uh, or there's not enough money. And that's essentially what uh, doesn't enable me to do something that I want to do. Those That's where my limitations are right now. And turns out you run into those a lot. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, every guest you hear on the show, if I, if I had a magic wand – and um, an unlimited budget, I suppose, I would do each one of those interviews in person. Any interview that you hear remotely, I would, I would love to be able to do in person. I wish I, could, I wish I could visit the team more often. I wish I could spend a week at Cheese's location. I wish I could spend a week near Drew. I wish I could spend a week in London. Uh, I wish I could go down to Elle's community and uh, just spend a time with her, just spend a little bit of time with her tribe. I, I really wish I could always be on the move constantly. Um, but budget constraints and the fact that I'm a human seem to be the limiting factor. Yeah, that can definitely limit limit you, uh, just your ability to not clone yourself, not be able to clone yourself and be everywhere at once. <laughs> yeah, damn, damn body, you know? <laughs> yeah, stupid bodies. So limited. Stupid meat bags. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, for me, something I wasn't allowed to do, um, mm. Have I ever said no to much? <laughs> An idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, you know, well, I'm thinking like a little more broad than that, right? Like for me, yeah. um, I had an idea to throw a party at my house when my parents weren't there, but I wasn't allowed to. Doesn't, doesn't mean I didn't do it anyway, but, you know, I'm just trying to reach here for, for some things that I was maybe not allowed to do. Oh, like an old story. Right. Oh. Well, I mean, Bites, Bites question is a little vague, so I'm just trying to... Throw another side in there of it. I think the most like break the rules thing that I did is I drove a lot before I had my license. Yeah, but I mean, you didn't get caught, right? Not by a cop. I did get caught by my dad, but I never got caught by a cop. But I, I very early took to it, to driving. Like I just, to me, it was something about it. I think, I think there are personality types that get a kind of soothing and um, exhilaration from driving that other personality types don't. And I think people that have their crap together better than me are the people that don't. Um, for me, driving is always a drive. It's always a drive. It's never just a drive. It's a drive. And so I, I want to enjoy the drive. I'm not doing it to just drive. I'm not, I don't want to go from point A to point B. I want, I want to enjoy the process. I want to every now and then have a thrill. I want to take a corner. I want to, I want to downshift when I'm, when I, when I'm slowing down. Like there's things I, I just, I want to do that keep me focused, that keep me aware, that keep me really kind of in the moment. And if it's a basic kind of boring kind of just do nothing, sit there, twiddle your thumbs kind of drive, I get distracted and I feel like I'm not as safe as a driver. Not a not a safe driver and not a uh, focused driver. Not that I've really ever had any problems, but I, I kind of feel like when I'm when I'm pushing a little bit, when I'm experiencing the drive, I'm actually more dialed in. I'm more focused. Yeah, I mean I could see that. Uh, being um being in the in the car for the drive, for uh, not really just to get from one destination to the other, but to actually enjoy the ride. I, it depends for me. Um, sometimes I do, and sometimes it's very much a let me just get to where I need to be because there are too many idiots on the road. <laughs> have you have you listened to the recent uh, 
brunch with Brent. I know as we recorded, it just came out this morning. So. I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. There's something in there where uh, Brent's talking about um, how, like, you might go on a walk or something around your town, or maybe you have, like, a route you take when you drive. You know, you got like a, you're going to go to the stores. You take your, you figured out the most efficient route that has the least amounts of things that piss you off and you just get there right away. And that's great, except for a lot of times it means you don't just take the one street over. Oh, absolutely. For me, that's, that's definitely the case. I have a route that I take to the grocery store, which goes along the side of a feeder road next to Interstate 10. Um, and then back up the other side of the feeder road when I could just get on the main street and go through town. But that requires me to sit at every stoplight and it's a little less of a drive, but. Sure. eh. But you also, but I mean, there's something about living in an area and always taking the same route over and over again. And then one day just taking a slightly different route Um, here where I'm at. I have three different routes I can take to get to the junkyard, which is what I affectionately call the uh, barnyard that I parked the RV at. And um, I always take the interstate, you know, the most basic straight 70 miles per hour route. But there is one route that is an old highway that was built before there were interstates. So it's, it's, um, it's a little retro, but it's beautiful. And it's like the perfect example when you're in the Pacific Northwest of each season because you're driving through trees and you're driving through farmland and it's near the coast. So you really get the full flavor of the season. And I never take it because it's another 15 minutes. Yeah, but I'm sure sometimes you want to take that route just because it is an extra 15 minutes and maybe every you, now and then you want to every now and then work through something in your head, you know, as you're driving. And like, like you said, you know, you, you gain a level of concentration on what you're doing, almost a, a precise level of focus that you can then take from that moment in time when you step out of your car to kind of carry that, but on a different topic. Yeah. For me, like a a really good drive is like a really good shower. Like I have the same kind of shower thoughts in a, in a really good drive. Do you ever have that? Absolutely. Um, I think you have a little bit more of an advantage though, because you have the beautiful Pacific Northwest and all these super awesome windy, uh, roads that are worth driving where I literally have nothing but flat, flat roads around here. That's it. (laughs) There's six different ways to get to the store, but they're all equally as flat and equally as straight. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that in your neck of the woods. I've definitely noticed that down there. Uh, whereas like here, it's like carved out of the yeah, sides exactly. of a hill. And you, and you get these switchbacks <laughs> and these nice, you know, curves and yeah, you can downshift and kind of get into it yeah. and, you know, push out of the corners and stuff like that. We don't have that here, dude. <laughs> Not at all. You know, no. all we have is a bunch no. of frustrated people no. on like a, you know, eight lane highway that are all trying to get somewhere way too quick while being preoccupied with a cell phone in their hand, of course. You know, I have a little bit of uh, road envy after spending some time with Alex. Oh, I bet. You guys did the dragon's tail and all that. Man, that's great. Yeah, we, we uh, uh, I so um, I recently, I mean, talk about an opportunity. I got to fly down to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, where Alex and his wonderful wife picked me up from the airport. Raleigh is a, has a RDU, that's the airport, Great, great size. It's it's smaller than SeaTac, which is my local airport, 
But it's still like an international like hub, so you can get anywhere. It's cleaner than Boston? Oh, God. Cleaner, simpler, everything. Nice. Everything. So Alex and his wonderful wife, they pick me up right there from the airport. They take me out. They get me some North Carolina barbecue the first night I'm in town. And then they have a guest room they set me up in, which is fantastic because, A, it's a place to sleep, and B, Alex has gigabit internet. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> right? I can't complain about that. Um, and then he picked a route to get us down to Lexington, Kentucky, which is where uh, Wendell Wilson of Level 1 Techs is from. He had this – he had a route – I really appreciate this about Alex because he didn't check with me, but he he knew me well enough to know that – it's okay to take an extra hour or two here and there for a great right. drive, you know? For that scenic switchback drive. Yes. Yeah, he picked a few routes that were were wonderful. Um, I don't think he'd mind if I share this story. There is the Dragon's Trail, which you just mentioned, or Dragon's uh, – or it might be actually the Tale of the Dragon. I, I don't – I think that's what it technically yeah. is. I think it's technically the Tale of the Dragon, yeah. It's it's um <laughs> it's a really well known road for uh just all the different like switchbacks like you were saying and, and hills and turns and curves uh it's it's where bikers re- they really try to get their credibility and there's even a, a biker bar where there's a tree of shame where p- bikers that have tried to take the uh, dragon's tail on have crashed ooh and so they will go pick up some of the parts and hang it from the tree of shame. <laughs> Dude, that's so sad. <laughs> well, so Alex, uh, <laughs> Alex, Alex likes, Alex likes to drive and, uh, Alex has driven this road before. And, uh, I discovered things that I did not know were possible in a car. I thought you'd have to have a bike to do some of the things that Alex pulled off. Um, he is a – let me just say this. He is a great driver. And I had a thought in the evening after what was quite the experience, I reviewed back like all of the moments where we were going around a curved corner or or a switchback that was unbelievably tight or we came right up on a crowd or all of these moments that happened while we were going down this road. And I thought back on all of it and I thought, you know, there was not a single moment where I thought, oh, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, well, I would su- suspect that Alex would be uh, a pretty good driver. And I've ridden with him a few times. So, I mean, I know that he is a good driver. Um, and I know that he also has gone on the track a few times for some track days in some different yeah. vehicles. So, I mean, he's he's definitely uh, talented at that. But I wonder, too, if because he learned to drive in the UK, uh, if he doesn't have a different a different type of uh, way of driving. Driving style? I mean, every road there is tiny, right? Every road is right. one of those things where, yeah, you're going to have like a 90 left, you know, and you're just going to have to make it going, you know, whatever, 25 miles an hour. It was like he and I had the same exact programming for driving style. He drove exactly like I drive, and I drive exactly like he drives. And what's also very funny about that is we both have the same car, so we can swap driving, and we are both completely comfortable. In fact, on a road trip with Alex, it's great because one morning I'm I'm up early. I'm going out to the car, right? And I got all my luggage, right? And I got Alex's keys, and I'm walking up to the car, and I think to myself, how nice is it that I know exactly what buttons to push on this remote to open his trunk? I know where my bag fits. I know exactly what fits in the door cupboard. I know everything about this car. 
It's a zero stress situation for me. And so when we traded off driving, we both just, we have the same exact driving style and we have the same exact car. His is just a lot more powerful than mine because he, he bought a used uh, Golf GTI that has a whole after uh, market. <laughs> oh, like intakes <laughs> and souped up a little bit. Different exhaust, yeah. different programming on the computer. Yeah. all <laughs> So it, it is, it is a lot more powerful but it is the same exact car. And um, so that was really cool because not only do we drive the same way, but we actually have the same car. So he's doing things and I'm like, oh, my car can do this. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> well, and what's really cool about you guys having the same car is that, um, like you said, you can anticipate the way the car is going to react, right? It, it, let's say let's say if uh, you had had the Charger that Popey and Wimpy had whenever they came up for Linux Fest Northwest, and that was your daily commuter, and then you got behind the wheel of the GTI or vice versa, you know, you're behind, uh, let's say Alex had a Charger, and you're behind that doing the Tale of the Dragon, maybe not realizing where you put down too much power, where you slide the, you know, the, the tail into the car out and you... Uh, end up with parts on the uh, the tree of shame. Sure, it's something. It is uh, what I what I learned is that uh, car cars and uh, technology have have advanced from what I understand. Cars are capable of, but um, you know, it, it, it that was a great experience because it was um, a couple of days on the road with Alex, and we were just we were just talking about the show the whole time. You know, we got to go down and meet Wendell and saw his whole studio. We did the meetup in Lexington, which was awesome. And I kind of had a realization that I felt like this would probably be the show today that I would launch if I was just starting podcasting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love, you know, before it was level one, it was tech syndicate or Wendell was was there with tech syndicate. And then now it's level one. But I've always been a huge fan of Wendell and he's. He's like a, a walking encyclopedia of hardware knowledge and really beyond that. But, I mean, you could just ask that guy any question and he's going to have a response for you. And if he doesn't, he'll be like, well, let's go put it together and see what it does right now. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a really neat dude. I'm pretty jealous that I didn't get a chance to go hang with you guys. <laughs> but I have, I have faith that maybe, you know, we can convince Wendell to come up during uh, Linux Fest Northwest next year or something. That would be great. Yes. It'd be cool if we could get him in a JB talk room, um, just kind of, you know, going off on, on what he's doing even. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great idea. Or the differences in hardware. I think uh, it would be cool to maybe rope him in there too because he's such a cool dude. And uh, he seems like he'd be a really nice guy just to hang out with and, and have a drink and share a meal with, too. Yeah. Well, as we did. Yeah, it was really nice because he's even nicer than he seems on YouTube. And uh, he's even smarter than he comes across on YouTube. Um, and the other thing that I, I really respected about him after meeting him is he is he is really about craftsmanship. Like what he focuses his attention on. It, it, he really he cares about the craftsmanship of the work, and boy, do I respect that because you know that's how the whole team is here, and like I get that about him, and um, I think we'll probably work with him in the future. I think there's probably uh, areas we can work in the future because um, you know sometimes you meet you meet people online and uh, they turn out to be kind of not really what they um, pitch themselves as to be online. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. He was the opposite. He was even better than he. He claims to be online. Like he, he backs it up with, he's even more legitimate in person than he seems to be on YouTube. Well, that's, that's good to know, man. 
I'm really excited about self-hosted. I think it's a great show. Um, so much of my free time these days is spent working on these kinds of things. Like this last weekend, <laughs> this last weekend, I set up a Raspberry Pi 4 in my RV on the LAN. And because, uh, you know, in the RV, you want something low power. Absolutely. Uh, you, you might be running off of battery sometime. And you don't want something that makes a lot of fan noise because RVs are small and you can basically hear it everywhere in the RV when it's a loud noise. I figured that one out. I got a system one time. I had a system in there. I had a, I had a QNAP NAS. And uh, it was like low fan noise. I'm like, great. Doesn't make much fan noise in my testing here in the studio. What I didn't appreciate was how much damn noise the hard drives just made. Oh, yeah. Whining. Sitting there spinning. Because they were spinning rust, right? <laughs> So, yeah, noise is a big thing in the RV. Plus, you don't want to use up a bunch of power because you're often running off of battery when you're traveling. And so if you're if you're sending a bunch of power to some server systems, well, that's less power to run your television or your fridge or lights or heat. So it really is a, a, a big, big consideration. So something low power was important. And so the Raspberry Pi worked pretty well in that scenario. Uh, and I wasn't sure if the uh, Pi 4 would be powerful enough to do everything I, I wanted to do. Uh, but so far, it's really gotten there. Um, so over the weekend, I set up Home Assistant again for like the third time. But this time, I think I finally have the final setup. I set up Smoke Ping, which is super hard to set up as a standalone application. But if you put it in a Docker image, it's not so bad. You just go ahead, like the uh, Linux server IO guys have a smoke ping Docker image that really makes it easy. And that gives me great data on how my ISP is performing. Right, right. I installed DD client, which updates DNS when my IP changes. Nice. Duplicati, which backs up my Docker configurations to Google Drive, and it's encrypted. Rantero, or, uh, hmm. Yeah, I think it's Rantero. Rantio? I'm not sure how you say it. That's an offline markdown-based notes system. Oh, cool. Yeah. And NetData, which gives you tons of great information, all on the Raspberry Pi 4, all on my LAN, in the RV, so it's available whenever I'm offline, whenever I'm going down the road. And I'm considering Plex, too. Um, you know, just setting all this up now, I'll, I'll talk about it more in self-hosted after I have some experience with all of these things. But these are the things that I just work on because I want to. Um, it's just fun. So self-hosted is like a perfect show for me now. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and I've mentioned this to you before, you know, in, in inside the network before. I don't know that I've ever mentioned it publicly, but it's very much kind of a throwback to some of the older JB shows in that uh, we've, we've, we've done pretty good at getting the news right. But the one part is the projects and how to set it up and the knowledge of, I've failed so many times doing it this way. I would suggest you try it this way, sort of project-based show. Uh, and I think a, a lot of people are going to enjoy it. I know I've been privy to, to listen to the first couple already. Um, I thoroughly enjoy them. I think, you know, with you obviously with that new Pi 4 and wrapping all this up, which I think is such a cool idea because obviously, yeah, you do want a super low power machine in your RV. You want something that runs pretty silently um, because you are going to hear it if you're in the bathroom or, you know, at the, at the other end of the RV or something like that. What I'm curious though is on the setup, are you running your Pi with a fan or in a case with a fan or are you just running it with heat sinks on it? 
I, I am not totally sure what my final solution is, but what my current solution is, is I, I have it running in the Pi 4 case that you get when you buy it as right. a desktop kit, but I left the, I left the top off for cooling. Yeah. And that's what I do as well. Because once you close the top on that thing, it, it heats up quick. And that's just on my Pi 3. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine what that is on the Pi 4, especially if you ran it, let it run with a load, uh, with it all closed up like that. I would not doubt that you would see some sort of a warping on the bottom of the case after, you know, a month's time uh, running it hard like that. Yeah, a like little, a little brown, brown spot, spot or in the yeah, white just like a little divot where you know it's 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 heated up <laughs> yeah. right underneath the CPU a little bit. Um, and I've I'm a junkie when it comes to single board computers, man. I have so many around here. I don't really use them as much as I I previously did because I've you know kind of merged a lot of that stuff into the cloud. Uh, really, only because my home internet can be flaky at times. Uh, so I wanted something that was reliable whenever I was outside of my network. But now seeing you guys do all of the stuff with, with Home Assistant and Smoke Ping, I've never used it. Sounds awesome. Uh, the offline markdown editor, that's freaking great, especially if I could sync that up later on. And it's just notes for like me and the wife about things about the RV or warranty information or service information. Grocery list or whatever. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can pull that note down on your phone and go to, uh, you know, go to wherever, go to the grocery store and, you know, tick those little boxes in your markdown and your offline markdown. I can see how that would be uh, super awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool. Um, the other thing that I haven't cracked yet is I feel like the Raspberry Pi 4 is kind of with Home Assistant and Smoke Ping and DD Client and Duplicati and Rentero and NetData and a little bit of Plex. I kind of feel like one Raspberry Pi four is probably maxed out because if any one of those goes crazy, then all of the other services suffer. Um, so I'm thinking like maybe when I want to do like really CPU intensive stuff in the future, I just, I just add another Pi. Um, and it doesn't all have to be a Pi four. Like I'm I'm thinking about Shinobi. And one of the things I want to do with Shinobi, which is a, a CT, a CCTV DVR type software. So if you have a bunch of cameras and you don't want to have them store their footage in the cloud, you can use something like Shinobi to pull it all in and, and give you a web UI to review and all that. And I, I, I feel like Shinobi would be perfect for three or four cameras in the RV that I don't, I don't want to use up like a MiFi connection to upload to a cloud storage, but I want to have something in case when we're parked somewhere, somebody breaks in and does something. I want to have something. But it probably needs a whole new pie, right? I think if you're putting Plex on top of what you've already stacked on there, if you're expecting Plex to do the transcoding and stuff, that's going to be a, a little bit of a struggle with the current stack and Plex on top of that. Uh, but if you were to, say, uh, just toss in Shinobi on top of that, I think Shinobi would run fine on your current stack because it really is, it doesn't have, there's not a ton of overhead with it and it just pulls in the RTSP streams. So you're really just kind of gatewaying your uh, video through a web interface, right? So it's not like Mm. it's retranscoding and, you know, you can start and stop recording there. I've personally set it up and had it running on a Pi for about, well, since we started talking about talking about it i guess it's been a month and a half or so ago maybe two months now and i've got two cameras i've got a fos cam running on it uh, and i've got one of the wise cams running on it and i'm just pulling the rtsp streams in from that did you do that so you did the custom firmware then on the wise cam yes uh yeah i'm going to be talking about that in self-hosted too 
And that's it's super, super uh, advisable to do that, in my opinion, because you don't really lose any functionality, which I think is important. So uh, this is something I'll be talking about more because uh, I also I think I want to connect my dash cam to Shinobi. That would be great. Right. Why not? Well, and then realistically, if you're traveling down the road, you could have that stream being pushed to Shinobi. And then if Adia was in the back of the RV taking a nap and, you you know, she could pull it up on her phone. You're right. Or if she's like chasing me in her car, if she's like, for some reason, we want to take like the RV and sometimes she'll follow me in her car if we're going to somewhere nearby. Right. She could pull it up. Absolutely. And then she could see what's going on in the dash cam while she's, you know, behind you in the chase vehicle or whatever. This is why I feel like self-hosted would be the show I would launch today. But this is where really my mind's at. And what's so great about it is it leverages free software. And the stack that I'm using for this is often all like container-based and the storage is in ZFS or some other kind of like Linux open source stack that I have to use. Like it all is open source and free software and the Linux stack. But it's to do things that are just so freaking cool that you would normally pay the – cloud provider XYZ to do. And uh, now you can do it yourself. Absolutely. And I think that's part of, for me, that's whenever I got into Linux, that um, that level of experimentation and learning and getting really, getting your hands dirty. And then, you know, obviously that evolves into, you know, DEs and uh, configuring, you know, i3 or xmonad or trying tiling managers or just using a context system like Openbox or something, you know, I mean, it, it kind of evolves. And for me now, where I'm at are these self-contained, isolated instances that I can spin up in no time and then take control of various little aspects of my day-to-day life. I don't really want to have my home automation in the cloud, right? I'm not really a a, a lady tube um, echo user, right? No, you're I'm, not. And I don't, I no, don't no. have any intention on being one, but I still want to have some of the services and some of that uh, ease of use in those conveniences, like being able to turn Mm -hmm. off my lights while I'm laying in bed because I forgot to turn off the lights in the kitchen, right? (laughs) Home assistant's so great, man. It's so great. It even it's even getting good spousal approval right now. Oh like, really? Is, yeah, yeah. I gave her. There's a Home Assistant iOS app that she has on her phone, so she pulls it up, and all of the buttons are just right there. And we all know, ex, you know, how extremely important that is that you get spousal approval on these things because if you don't, mm-hmm. your projects ain't going to live long. They're going to end up in the closet. All right. So we got to talk about headlines. I, I I can't think of anything more ambitious that we've ever done. To tell you the truth, a daily show. A daily show on our anniversary week, launching with another show. It's, uh... Wow. You know, it's it's one of those things that since I've come on board, we've been talking about. And it's one of those things that before I came on board had been talked about. People don't, I don't think people understand the level of dedication and the workflows that you need in place to make something like that happen day in and day out and just what it takes to even vet the stories before they ever go out right it's it's a lot of work yeah yeah i uh i'm really glad you're here because i think you're going to help me kind of catch a couple of things that i might forget because i'm so close to this that it's easy for me to forget some of the important parts about this because uh anybody that's a parent that's listening to this i i have 3 children and I 
I would equate this to nearly the level of responsibility of birthing a new child. It is, it is a lifestyle change. It fundamentally changes every single day of your life, just like having a child does. Just not quite nearly, but <laughs> after three kids, I can tell you very much close to it. Um, this is something that we have tried to crack for well over a year. It's something that I experimented with a couple of times at Tech Talk today. I experimented with Jupiter at night. Um, it's been something I have taken a lot of stabs at. And I, I was beginning to think it would never happen. In fact, I was just reaching a peace with the idea that it would never happen. Even before the merger, we were trying to figure out a way to make this happen. And I, I just, we tried internal demos and we didn't like them and we killed them. But there was a little bit of a factor that I didn't account for earlier. And that is as the team came together over the last year, we realized we had a new advantage that we could leverage. We realized we had a new base, a foundation that we could take advantage of, a group effort. In fact, we even brought a new team member on that is off air that is doing research and fact-checking across not just the headline show, but all of the shows. We realized we could take a much more holistic approach to this. So we started talking about a team-based approach to solving a daily podcast. And when we got there, we had our breakthrough. When we realized that you could get the information you need to move on with your day in three minutes or less, that's when everything changed. So the team effort and the format of how to pull it all off, when those two things came together, that's when we had it. And I think... By having someone that can focus on getting the news and doing the research, obviously that's that's one thing. But having a team that really eats, breathes, and sleeps Linux and open source all day. You know, and like I'd mentioned earlier, it's very much a seven-day type of a job. But to some extent, it doesn't feel that way because these are things that I would be doing anyway. But I think it gives us a way that we can get that news out there to people with Linux headlines, get it to them precisely and condensed with no analysis, no opinions given. Uh, this is the news. You know, uh, another thing that we've really thought about too is um, how to do something that isn't trying to like replicate what radio does, that isn't just trying to be uh, imitating, but is actually something that is born of the medium for the medium. And so we have something now that uh, is perfect for RSS distribution, but it also happens to work perfectly for those flash briefings in the lady tubes. And something that is, it's it's what you need to know, but it's it's not anything more than that. And when you want further analysis, well, we have shows for that already that have been around for years now. They're established. So it's it's allowing us to go into areas that maybe we didn't cover in the shows where everything needs to have a, a conversation around it. Uh, Brent has a question here. He says, uh, how are you going to balance the daily versus emergencies happening? What are your details on backups? It seems impossible that you could record, pre-record 
something like this. Uh, yes, that's Brent of the uh, Brunch with Brent fame. Um, so one of the things that we uh, we worked out with the uh, kind of practice sessions that we did is there's backups. So in some days, um, we'll have different backups. Like uh, if I need to take a day off, uh, Joe could be a backup for me or Cheese could be a backup for me or Wes on a, depending on what the day is. So we have a couple of uh, hot backups that are available. But so here's how it works is um, our team member – uh, working with all of us that puts together the links, does a drop at a certain time, Pacific time. And that has to be dropped at a certain time because that's that's our go time so that way we can make it for the East Coast commute. The host that is on point that day has to do a check-in. So they check in and say, yes, I'm here. They have 15 minutes to check in. If they don't check in, the backup automatically kicks in. And the next host picks up and then checks in and begins working. And that system kind of gives us both not only um, kind of a peace of mind that the show will go on, but also means that even if something comes up where the host can't prearrange an absence for, for whatever reason, maybe they're in a car accident, God forbid, or they've, they've somehow ended up uh, on, on a flight that uh, was delayed and they can't make it in time for their, for their airtime, we have a system where a host automatically will kick in. But – while uh, things are running just smoothly and everybody's showing up on time and everything's great, in the background, guys like Cheese are practicing their reads. And they're getting ready to jump in if somebody were not available. So Cheese sees the headlines every single week. Or, or actually, that's weird. I got to get used to that. Every single day, Cheese sees the <laughs> I know. Every day, he sees what comes in. And he can do a practice read-through on his own. So that way, if one day I got to step out... Bacon's ready to go. Back up bacon. And and I think that that's the way we have to operate with something like this, because obviously we don't want to let any of the listeners down. Uh, We want that to be there for them every single day and for them to be able to rely on that being there every day. This is, I think, the best way to accomplish that. And the thing is, is it's not a really an inconvenience for any of the backups. We're prepared for that to happen. And if it does, which inevitably it will at some point, we're ready to step in yeah. and test yeah. those processes. So I think it's going to be a win-win for everyone. I'm super excited about it. I get my news from it. Um, a lot of the things that will be covered in those news topics, if they're if they're worthy, you know, we will definitely bring them into the additional shows for further analysis. Um, that's that's how these things operate. So. I think you'll see some crossover there, but you shouldn't get upset if we're maybe a little short with this one news story and don't mention exactly what you want, because chances are we're going to cover it later in the week or deep dive into it or release something on extras, or we know how important all these things are to everyone. And we want to make sure that we get that news out there. And we want to make sure that we get the important news to you factually correct every time. And I think that that's what we really strive to do. And if you look at us across, you know, just any other news broadcast, we really make an effort to be independent and not judgmental on this project or that project or the way that these these things go. We're vetting everything through the team, right? So I, maybe I maybe I have a bias where I think the Librem Five doesn't have a good shot, right? But there's other members on the team that do, and so everything is is sort of hashed out. But here's okay, get ready for it. Get crack one open. Here's a deep thought. You ready for this? Today's headlines, the ones that went out uh, for uh, 
September eleventh, two stories in that headlines episode would never make it in any of our other shows. Absolutely, because simply the headline was the story, <laughs> and so there's nothing to discuss. There's no there's no community aspect to it, so it's not going to go on Linux Unplugged, and there's. There's no way that it really like changes the landscape forever, so it's not going in Linux action news. And it, those are generally like when something needs real discussion, you'll hear us talk about it. But things happen. Like there was a there was a new um, raw file editor for Linux, like a, a professional yeah, grade, yeah, raw therapy, a professional grade raw photo editor to take raw files right off your camera SD card and edit them on Linux. That's great. Maybe one day it could possibly, maybe, potentially, could be a pick. Maybe. Right. right. Or if Brent does just an all Linux photography software show, that would probably be on there. And I've personally right. used Raw Therapy before, so I hadn't read that headline yet. But I, whenever I listened to the headline show, I was like, oh, sweet. That's cool. Good to know. <laughs> I know it's it's funny. It's pretty it's pretty it's pretty good in that way because there's things as a desktop Linux user or a Linux on the server user where you kind of need to know like when things change, but they're not newsworthy enough to make it into the other shows. Um, I, I've, I'm pretty surprised at how well that's worked so far. It's crazy to do it every day. Um, having I guess for me the like the most the most like emotional baggage thing that I attach to this idea is. I've done this myself with Tech Talk today, and it ground me into the ground. And so now I've got a team behind me, and I feel like we've actually got something to it. So I'm feeling much better. It, today, it was just a, as we record, which is uh, September 11th, 2019, it was just approved on the um, Alexa flash briefing. Cancel. <laughs> so, so people can get their flash briefing. Yeah, and that's, and that's awesome because – while I, like I mentioned earlier, I don't have any Echo devices in my house. I know plenty of people that do. And seriously, man, if I can get my Linux headlines while I'm brushing my teeth and combing my hair before I step out the door to go to work and know whenever I get to work that I need to patch this box because this vulnerability is out there in the wild or this, uh, you know, particular piece of software has been updated. That's great news. And I can be the guy that steps into the office, makes that stuff happen before anyone else gets there and be like, oh, yeah, these new things happen. I just put it into place. We're good. Can I get meta on you for a moment? Can I just zoom out? Yeah, yeah. Who else could do it, right? Reliably, with a team behind it that's doing fact-checking, editors, like we have like three layers right now. And we're not going to get it perfect because on on a daily show, mistakes will happen. Absolutely. So I— I totally acknowledge that, but we have three layers of checking before it goes on air. Something's happened recently. It's a great example of how it just really gets screwed up. Manjaro announced that they're creating a corporation. Right. And if you get all of your Linux news from YouTube right now, you would be under the impression that they launched a nonprofit because the YouTubers are all copying each other and they're getting the details wrong. And they're reporting that Manjaro has launched a nonprofit, which is not the case. Manjaro has launched what is essentially, in the U.S. parlance, an LLC. And they are a very much for-profit corporation. And Phil, one of the co-founders of Manjaro, came on Linux Unplugged, and I talked with him specifically, and he said, I want to make it really clear. We're a for-profit company. We want to launch, like, hardware partnerships and swag. Like, we have all these ideas. And, by the way... If we're ever going to do a nonprofit, we have to do all of these business things first before we can even apply 
as a nonprofit. But all of the YouTubers now are reporting it as a nonprofit. I'm not saying we're going we're gonna to screw things up all the time, but I, every now and then something might slip through. But my goodness, if we, if we don't have at least three layers of fact-checking on every single episode, plus we have a now deep network of direct contacts with people that are involved in the news where we can get just direct information from them, um, I, we're, we're in a really good position. But additionally, the cost to do a daily podcast I mean, it's 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 got to be a eighty thousand, ninety, hundred thousand dollar a year venture, I would imagine, and so I don't know who else could afford to do it. Yeah, it's definitely it takes a lot of time to do it, and like you said, if we want to do it right, you can do it. You can have somebody who's just like jumping on Twitch or whatever a live stream, and they're just you know shucking and jiving and reading the headlines. That's a thing that can happen for free. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Well, and, and like you said, it's one of those things when it comes to YouTube, there, there quite often is that, uh, echo chamber effect where if one channel does it, the next channel does it, the next channel does it. Um, and so, you know, it, it, at some point you need to step back and I think reevaluate, um, the way that the, the media you consume, the, the way that it's created for you and what the intentions behind it are. Absolutely. And we're not, obviously, you know, our anniversary with Linux Academy comes up uh, tomorrow. Um, they've been super cool. They've let us do what we do. They've done this for the community. Um, we don't even have to talk about them, but we do because we believe in what they do. Um, so that partnership is just wonderful to have and really gives us this ability to have a team that can do shows like this and bring you content like this reliably and hopefully as factual as it can be. I mean, obviously we're all humans that mistakes will be made. It's just a matter of when, but we're going to really try and make an effort to minimize those. And like Chris said, we've, we're three layers deep on this thing and we have the team that we have together. Now, I feel like we have uh, someone that's been in a little bit of every different area in the Linux ecosystem and open source ecosystem. So if there's something I'm not really familiar with, you can guarantee someone else on the team is. And so that makes for being able to fact check within ourselves almost instant. Like, mm -hmm. no, dude, you're wrong. Here's the documentation as to why you're wrong. Yeah. This is the real scenario. And then you combine that with a very fortunate position after 13 plus years of doing this, we can just email a lot of individuals and just say, hey, uh, this is what the team's uh, suspecting is the case. Can you say yay or nay to this? And that combined with the, or the, the news pipeline we already have for all of our existing shows, it, it really all was just really a matter of putting it all together. Uh, and having a fresh perspective on it. I'm very excited about the future of Linux Headlines, linuxheadlines.show. And I think Self-Hosted is going to be maybe one of our next biggest shows, selfhosted.show. The first episode's out September 12th, and then the second episode with Wendell Wilson follows two weeks after that. That's tomorrow. I wonder, I wonder how Alex has taken this right now. I wonder if he's a little nervous. He's pretty stoked. He's a little nervous, yeah. He's traveling, you know, he, so he does the open shift stuff for his day job with Red Hat. And so he's traveling right now. To, he's at a client's. Right, right. And he's, he's, oh, man, I can't believe the first episode shipping while I'm traveling, he said to me. <laughs> but I think everyone's going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be great. I know that yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. 
I'm friends with Alex before uh, he was ever even considered to be a host on the network. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I really like the guy. He's a super smart guy. And it's like every time I talk to him, he's like, dude, have you tried this? Have you looked into this? This is awesome. You should check it out. All you need to know about Alex is he's got a great dog. And the man knows how to drive. Yeah. He knows how to drive, Cheesy. All right. Should we get out of here? All right. That's Office Hours with Chris. That's it. If you got a question for me, email me, chris at jupiterbroadcasting.com or at Chris LES on the Twitter. And to answer your question, um, I believe Wes had the question. My favorite cheese is sharp cheddar. A classic one, right? It's a good one. Classic. All right, girl. See you later. See ya. See ya.